She was a lightning rod for queer representation on our screens and one of the most successful talk show hosts in history. So when allegations of workplace bullying came to light, it sent the Queen of Kind's reputation into a tailspin. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, Zara McDonald. Welcome to part two, Mish, and we are talking about all the other things to do with Ellen's career. All the other stuff. If you guys listen to episode one, you'll already know this, but let's give you a quick recap anyway. In that episode, we spoke a lot about the rise of Ellen DeGeneres, how she started out doing stand-up comedy as a woman in the 80s, which for its time was like very different to what we were seeing in the stand-up comedy space, how she transitioned into lead roles on television and how she bravely came out as gay and became the first queer TV lead with her sitcom, Ellen. Yeah, we also talked about the backlash and discrimination she faced after both her and her TV character came out, Mish, and how this ultimately did lead to the show being cancelled a year later. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about how Ellen did manage to build her career back up, only to watch it crumble again after allegations of a toxic work environment came out in 2020. Yeah. Now, to be clear, and we'll really unpack this in the episode anyway, these accusations did serve as the final nail in the coffin of the Allen show. A lot of the allegations were concerned with the actions of the most senior staff members on that show who weren't Allen, but as the leader in that workplace... Ellen, like the buck stops with her. Absolutely. Now today we're going to unpack how that all came to be. What happened, what was said about the show, about Ellen, how she and the people around her responded. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. So let's go back to the late 90s after Ellen's sitcom was cancelled. Zara, as we mentioned in the last episode, Ellen said that after her sitcom was cancelled, she was really fucking angry, to be blunt about it. She said that she knew, and I quote, there would be some fallout after she came out, but, and I quote again, I didn't realise the amount. I was that person before, and I thought, how did I lose my entire fan base? It's not like all of a sudden I ripped some mask off. Yeah, after that, she appeared in the odd movie or TV guest role, but for three years, she said she had virtually no work and came down dangerously close to going broke. Now, in 2000, things also went south for her relationship with her long-term girlfriend, the actress Anne Haish. Yeah, so Ellen and Anne had met at a pretty pivotal time in Ellen's life. They'd only been dating for a few weeks when Ellen actually came out as gay. So this was a huge relationship in Ellen DeGeneres' life. At this point in the year 2000, they had been dating for over three years Things had seemed to be going pretty well as well. They'd been cozied up together on the red carpet at a movie premiere. Ellen also told reporters in 2000 that they were, and I quote, very happy and in love three years later, to which Anne had replied, we're very lucky women that we get to have what we have. Yeah, the two of them also spoke publicly about the possibility of having children. And in one interview, Ellen had even said that, and I quote, if Anne goes, I want to go. That's how strongly I feel. But by August 2000, news broke Mish that a 43-year-old Ellen and her 31-year-old girlfriend, Anne, had broken up. Yeah, in a statement to Daily News, the couple confirmed this. They said, unfortunately, we've decided to end our relationship. It is an amicable parting and we greatly value the three and a half years we've spent together. We hope everyone will respect our privacy through this difficult time. They then said the relationship just ran its course. It wasn't working. But a year later, I mean, that's a pretty standard 
standard breakup announcement, breakup statement, right? But a year later, we learned from Ellen that the breakup was not as amicable as it first seemed. Absolutely. She told the LA Times one year after that statement that Anne, and I quote, walked out the door and I haven't spoken to her since. I don't have the answers. I would love to have them myself. I would ask all the questions that everybody else wants to ask. I'm left with everybody else wondering what happened. I don't know. I really don't. I feel betrayed. What I don't mind saying is, is it was the first time I ever had my heart broken. I'd always been the one to leave relationships and I had been in long-term relationships and it was the one time I really believed this is forever. I'm going to be with this person forever and I felt safe and I felt we shared so much together and it was the first time I'd had my heart broken in a big way because there was no closure. Fuck, that's got to hurt. It's really sad quote for someone to just get up and walk out of your life after three and a half years. I mean, I've been with my partner for... Three years. If he got up, this won't happen to you. No, but it's true. (laughs) When you think about that, it's like I feel like I've been with him forever. Yeah. And if he just got up and left, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" To go from like your best friend, your favorite person in the world, to a complete stranger with just like one action of walking out the door. I don't know how you'd even cope with that. And like, what seems to be no conversation about it. No closure at all, as Ellen said. Now, this had been a really hard three or four years for Ellen, both professionally and personally, but. In 2001, she began to kind of have a comeback. She returned to screens as the lead of a new sitcom called The Ellen Show. Now, let us make this very clear. We had Ellen the sitcom, The Ellen Show, which was still a sitcom, but a different one to the first show. And then after this, we, of course, had Ellen the talk show. I don't know why Ellen DeGeneres decided to name three shows basically identically to each other because it is so confusing. It is so confusing. Now... This Ellen show, The Middle Child, (laughs) was a fictional show about a woman who moves home to live with her mum and sister after her company goes bankrupt and works as a school guidance counsellor. Now, the show was incredibly short-lived. The network cancelled it after just 13 episodes and the final five didn't even make it to air. Yeah. However, this was, as I said, the beginning of a comeback because Ellen was actually asked to host the Emmy Awards in November later that year And she was really praised for how she handled the evening in light of the September 11 terrorist attacks. So this show, The Emmys, had actually been cancelled twice in the wake of the attacks and understandably had such a different vibe and mood in the room compared to other ceremonies. But Ellen's performance received several standing ovations for how delicately, gracefully and humorously she handled the night. I watched this monologue as we were doing this and I have to say... It was as good as you just said, like in terms of how the audience, the celebrities in the room are responding to her. It would be an incredibly tough gig to kind of read the mood at that point in time. But the mood was very much like, I'm not going to go too hard, but I will still be funny. Also, there was this mood of like, we will not let them win. Like we are still going to push ahead and do these things as well. And it was really strong. Soon after the Emmys, she was asked to host Saturday Night Live's Christmas episode and months later, talk of a daytime talk show was raised. Yeah, so a guy named Jim Paratore, who was the president of Telepictures Productions, a company that was owned by Warner Brothers, actually spoke to Ellen about this directly. He was the one who wanted to convince her to take the gig on a daytime talk show. So he'd seen her appear as a guest on the Rosie O'Donnell show and thought that Ellen DeGeneres had the intelligence and the ability to relate to people, which is, of course, super important for a gig like that. Yeah, for sure. He won Ellen over by sending her an expensive bottle of wine with a tongue-in-cheek note saying how happy he was that the Ellen show 
The Middle Child, <laughs> the most recent sitcom, was cancelled. Despite this, it was incredibly hard for them to get the talk show off the ground. Ellen and Warner Brothers needed to convince television stations to broadcast or syndicate the show, but people were worried that it was going to be too gay again and that Ellen would ostracise audience. This sense of being quote-unquote too gay seemed to really follow her. Yeah, for sure. Ellen explained that during the process of trying to sell Ellen the talk show, people said, and I quote, who is going to watch a lesbian during the daytime? You know, these are housewives and mothers, right? What does she possibly have in common with them? So they had a mountain to kind of climb to convince people to take it on. But to persuade station managers to support the show, Ellen and Jim toured across the country. Ellen said that station managers were always shocked when they met with her. She said they'd be like, she didn't curse, as though cursing were a characteristic of gay people. Another person who worked on the show told The Hollywood Reporter that the stations, and I quote, really thought Ellen would have a gay agenda. It was the hardest show we've ever had to launch in the history of our company. I mean, not to get too ahead of myself, but it was also one of the most successful. And so how close it came to not getting off the ground is, is pretty astounding to look back on. They recorded test interviews with stars like Tom Hanks and Helen Hunt to show people that Ellen was capable of having compelling conversations with people outside of the gay community. The box they put her in. That blows my mind that yeah. you are you are gay, you date people of the same gender as you and therefore you are incapable of thinking, talking, debating about anything else. Yeah, yeah. Insane. Looking back, Ellen said, I had to show them that I knew how to talk to people. Like how hard is it to talk <laughs> to people? And still a lot of them didn't want to hire me. But despite all of the pushback, they did it. On September 8, 2003, the Ellen DeGeneres show, the talk show, hit TV screens. By this point in her life, Ellen was 45 years old and she stepped out on stage in front of a live studio audience and delivered her opening monologue. Here is a snippet of it. It's, uh, it's September 8th. This is our very, very first show and you are my very first audience. It's my first applause break and uh, my first laugh. And uh, we have a lot of people you're going to meet, you know, every single day. I'll introduce you to somebody new. It's like a family here. The show was just a massive hit, as we all know. By December, the New York Times was describing her as, and I quote, a hot commodity in daytime television. They tried to analyse why her show was resonating with so many audiences. This is just a couple of months after it launched. And it tended to have all the tropes of a talk show. It had product giveaways, audience games, musical segments. But Ellen, the newspaper wrote, was, and I quote, an expert at getting to the heart of things in a playful, good-natured way. Yeah, and she had a way of getting her guests to kind of match that mood. Ellison Jenny turned up with snorkeling gear for a Finding Nemo-themed episode when Ellen asked Robert Downey Jr. about his plans for Thanksgiving. He replied, I'll be going to Palm Springs and getting arrested while I'm there. She even got Tom Cruise to recreate his famous air guitar slide from Risky Business. She has a way of getting the best out of celebrities, the majority of the time. I will add that as a caveat. Yeah, absolutely. I think she always had this ability to encourage her guests to be self-deprecating. And in turn, it was incredible for almost all of the celebrities that went on that show because it meant people saw them as a bit more human. They came across as really likable yes. because they're 
while the interviews were sometimes a little probing, a lot of the activities and games were just fun and funny. Yeah, and it's so funny because we always have to put that disclaimer, yes, there is the odd interview that hasn't aged particularly well. That yeah. almost goes without saying. But there is a reason that celebrities went back all the time. Jennifer Aniston went back to Ellen every single season, every single year that it ever aired. Had to be good for their brand too. Now, in its first year, the show was nominated for 11 Daytime Emmy Awards and won the prize for Best Talk Show. That's not like a slow burn. No, it's a rapid rise. Yeah. I mean, we're forgetting it was only September the year before that this show premiered. So the level of success she achieved again was just meteoric. The year after the show launched, Ellen also connected or rather reconnected with a very special woman named Portia de Rossi. Now at the time she was a 31-year-old actress. She was born and raised in Geelong and yeah. had studied law at Melbourne Uni. Welcome. Your university <laughs> represent. You hate my it alum- there. <laughs> my alum- Is it alumnus? Yeah, my alumnus in Portia de Rossi. Now she's famous for TV shows like Ali McBeal, Nip Tuck and Arrested Development. Ellen and Portia had first met at a party back in 2000 and Portia later said that she knew she was in love with Ellen the first moment she laid eyes on her. Really sweet. But at the time, Portia was not publicly out as a gay woman, so nothing happened between them. She later explained that she was really terrified to come out for such a long time because she feared it was going to affect her career as an actress. And I mean, Portia would have watched what happened to Ellen and thought, I can't do that as well. I don't want to go through that. She later explained, I was sending money to my mum back home. I had a mortgage to pay. So having to hide my sexuality was crucial to my livelihood. Yeah, still she said that over the next three years, I never really stopped thinking about Ellen because I just haven't felt that kind of energy with anyone in my life. By 2004, they reconnected at a VH1 awards show. Interestingly, at the time, both Ellen and Portia were actually dating other people. Ellen had been seeing a photographer by the name of Alexandra Hedison for four years and Portia had been with the singer Francesca Gregorini for more than two years. Ellen explained, She had a girlfriend and I had a girlfriend, but it wasn't like, oh, we're going to have an affair. We were just supposed to be together. It was a tough decision. I was physically getting sick because I was trying not to say anything. So I told Alex and she told Francesca it was really hard to uproot everything. Yeah, they made their public debut as a couple together at the 2005 HBO Golden Globe Awards party. In November that year, Ellen revealed to People magazine that she and Portia were living together in a two-bedroom home in LA. Ellen said she had found her soulmate. She said, it's the first time that I've known in every cell of my being that I'm with somebody for the rest of my life. I love the love story between Ellen and Portia because she she was right. She's onto something. They're still together today. Yeah, it's been, what, 17, 18 years. In 2008, when the Supreme Court of California made it legally possible for same-sex couples to get married, Portia and Ellen wedded in an intimate ceremony. Now, we're going to get to more of Ellen's success, both personal and professional, and a bit more of the not success. <laughs> I could just call it the anti success. Yeah, right after the break. Now you know I'm back. 
All right, Zara. As you said, the Allen Show continued to rack up the gongs. It continued to go from strength to strength over the coming years. In 2011, Oprah, obviously the Allen Show's main rival, but also close friend, shut up shop. And the following season, Allen's show really benefited from that. She had a boost in audience. She was scoring an average of 3.2 million viewers per episode. It's quite a few. The show received 171 Daytime Emmy Award nominations. And as of 2020, had won 61 awards. This is a very well-awarded TV show. Yeah. As BuzzFeed wrote, looking back, The Ellen Show also broke ground as one of the first daytime talk shows to feature an openly gay host, reaching millions of viewers in their homes every day and normalising LGBTQ representation, as well as messages about equality and acceptance. I think the general consensus when it came to the Ellen DeGeneres show is it was largely really successful because Ellen at least came across as pretty genuine. As Oprah told The Hollywood Reporter in 2012, being able to be free, literally, and to express herself in a way that she can be 100% truthful with the audience has allowed them to fall in love with her. Honest to God truth, I don't believe she would have been as successful as she has become had she not come out. Yeah, there was also a bit of irony when JCPenney, a company that famously pulled their ads, pulled all sponsorship money from the Ellen sitcom after Ellen came out in 1997, made Ellen their spokesmodel in the 2000s. How do we feel about that? That a company in the 1990s goes, it's too controversial for you to be gay. We're not going to give you a cent. To then turn around and go, what a beautiful 180 moment. We're going to give you money again because it's okay to be gay now. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel much about it more than like, She had full agency and if she wanted to take this company's money again, could have been her own internal fuck you if she wanted Mm. it to be, then like, why not? Like that's her, that's her job and her right to do so. Ellen also preached this message of love and acceptance to her audience. It became a core part of her brand. She even ended episodes by telling those watching to, and I quote, be kind to one another. Yeah. And that's why when allegations came out that challenged her kind reputation and the culture behind the scenes on The Ellen Show, things really started to crumble. For a long time, Zara, there had been rumours that Ellen herself wasn't actually very kind or nice. The New York Times ran a profile on Ellen in 2018 and the journalist actually asked her about the tabloid stories that featured anonymous complaints that she wasn't very good to work with. Ellen brushed off the rumours at the time. She told the Times, that bugs me if someone's saying that because it's an outright lie. The first day I said, the one thing I want is everyone here to be happy and proud of where they work and if not, don't work here. No one is going to raise their voice or not be grateful that's the rule to this day. Yeah, it's so funny. No one's going to raise their voice or not to be grateful is an interesting one. I think. Yeah, it's like, it's acting like I mean, I I, I can't I don't know if I can be bothered doing a language analysis, <laughs> but I will say to expect people to be grateful for employment is a really interesting attitude. Well, this is putting I mean, again, we're nitpicking at words, but that quote is putting onus on employees rather than on management how about instead of nobody's going to not be grateful we say nobody's going to be condescending or rude or 
I don't know, hierarchical. Yeah. It's an odd quote. It's an odd quote. Now, things really started to take a turn for Ellen's reputation in 2019. At the start of that year, she actually did an interview with comedian Kevin Hart. She had him on the show, right? And Kevin had recently stepped down as host of the Oscars, our listeners might remember this, after backlash over homophobic tweets and comments that he'd made years before. During the interview, Ellen defended Kevin and said that she'd even called someone at the Academy to request he'd be reinstated as Oscars host. Now, quite a few people came out and criticised her for coming to his defence. Yeah. Then in October that year, Ellen faced online backlash after photos and video of her and Portia sitting next to former President George Bush and his wife at a football game emerged. People pointed out that George Bush was vocally anti-gay rights and brought up his conservative politics. Many also claimed that being seen Cozying up to him or friendly with him at a football game would rehabilitate George Bush's image. Yeah, she ended up having to address the controversy on her show, saying that he was invited to the game, but added, here's the thing, I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We are all different and I think we've forgotten that it's okay that we're all different. When I say be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people that think the same as you do. I mean be kind to everyone. Yeah. Naturally, the gay community felt super let down by this. It was two instances of Ellen making excuses for people who had been downright homophobic or anti-gay in the past. And it's interesting to characterise that as we just don't share the same beliefs when those beliefs directly impact the way some people experience the world. Yeah, but the final moment in 2019 that really laid the groundwork for future criticism was now that infamous interview between Ellen and actress Dakota Johnson. The one, of course, where Ellen said Dakota didn't invite her to her birthday party and Dakota replied, actually, no, that's not the truth, Ellen. Here's a better snippet than the one I just tried to give you. It's good to see you. Happy belated birthday. When was your birthday? It was October 4th. October 4th. You turned 30. I did. And um, how was the party? I wasn't invited. Actually, no, that's not the truth, Ellen. You were invited. Last year, no, last time I was on the show, last year, you gave me a bunch of shit about not inviting you, but I didn't even know you wanted to be invited. Well, who doesn't want to be invited to a party? Well, I didn't even know you liked me. <laughs> of course I like you. You knew I liked you. You've been on the show many times, and, and don't I show like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I did invite you, and you didn't come. So. This time you invited me? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. How do you know? I don't think so. Ask everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Jonathan, your producer. Who okay. said you were? I yeah, was invited? Right Why didn't I go? I don't know. Was it, was it? it oh yeah, I had that thing. Um, <laughs> it was probably in Malibu. That's too far for me to go to. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. No, I think I do remember I was invited. Thank you. It's so interesting to me that this is the moment a lot of people think of and the quotes that a lot of people kind of regurgitate when we think of the downfall of The Ellen Show, it was about a birthday party invite. Yeah, as Vox wrote at the time, Johnson's call-out cuts deeper in the context of DeGeneres' recent struggles to maintain her image of being one of the nicest people in Hollywood. Today, millions of people tune in for each episode of her wholesome daytime talk show. But as 2019 has worn on, many people have started to doubt DeGeneres' nice, wholesome image, and some have suggested she's not as good or as nice as we've been led to believe. In that context, a fight about a birthday 
birthday invite isn't about a birthday invite at all, but about the power of celebrity image and what happens when that image becomes tainted. I love that passage so much. And this brings us, Zara, to 2020, which was not a good year. If 2019 was a bad year. 2020 was a hellish year for Ellen DeGeneres. In March 2020, comedian Kevin T. Porter started a Twitter thread asking people to share, and I quote, the most insane stories you've heard about Ellen being mean. He said that he would match every story with a $2 donation to LA Food Bank. Oh my gosh. $2 per story is not a small amount of money because he got quite a few <laughs> stories. He tweeted that right now we all need a little kindness. You know, like Ellen DeGeneres always talks about, she's also notoriously one of the meanest people alive. Yeah. As I said, the tweet got thousands of replies and retweets. Among these were a number of claims that many staff weren't allowed to be in the same room as Ellen, weren't allowed to talk to her and they weren't even allowed to look at her. Yeah, that same month the World Health Organization declared the COVID pandemic, sorry for bringing it up everyone and the Ellen DeGeneres show shut down production. A month later, Ellen returned to air. It was the 8th of April, this time hosting the show from her home. She thanked healthcare workers, emergency services and those who were risking their health to work through the pandemic. But then she made a joke that didn't quite land. Yeah, this is what she said. One thing that I've learned from being in quarantine is that people, uh, this, this is like being in jail is what it is. It's uh, mostly because I've been wearing the same clothes for 10 days and everyone in here is gay. <laughs> the jokes that I have. When I was watching this back, part of me wondered if this, I mean, the pandemic was a particularly tough time. Tense. For so many people. Yep. It was incredibly tense. There was a lot of outrage. Particularly in April. April was a it fucked was month. Angry, we were terrified. It was absolutely and understandably. I also think looking at it back, I don't think it helped that there was no studio audience because there was no laughter or clapping or anything like that. Even though the studio audience is directed to laugh at whatever moment they're directed to laugh at. Yeah. It wasn't like there was a whole team of people getting behind this joke. You couldn't hear how the joke landed. So it was really up to the interpretation of the listener or the watcher, I should say. And people didn't like it. The comparison was naturally met with backlash online. Many people criticised her for being totally oblivious to her own privilege. And I think to give some context, Mish, Forbes found that Ellen was the second highest paid female celebrity behind Kylie Jenner in the 2019-2020 financial year that also reported she'd made about $80 million per year. She was literally streaming the show from the mansion she lived in with her wife. Yeah, there were also, after this joke was made, there were headlines talking about how Ellen made about $287,000 per episode for that show. I've got to say, though, I understand the backlash. I think it was very symptomatic of where we all were mentally at the time. Do I think her joke was particularly evil or bad? No. I mean, yes, it wasn't received well. It didn't read the mood in the room. But looking back at it now, it's a joke that a comedian's made. Yeah. Like, do I think it deserved the level of hatred that she got for it? No. Yeah, but I would say that about a lot of stuff that happened around that oh, time. It like, was a f people really, yeah, people went through it in April and I get it because the people at home were struggling. Clunkiness was the worst thing you could do. Yeah, I think the average person wanted celebrities to shut the fuck up. They yeah. didn't want to hear from celebrities. 
at all about how the celebrities were struggling because the average person at home was trying to figure out how to pay rent that month. Yeah, and it also didn't help when they tried to save the world by singing Imagine, so <laughs> probably their own fault. Now, it was around this time that things really started to take a turn. A week after the jail comments, Vanity Fair ran an exclusive article about how crew members from The Ellen Show were upset about how they were being treated by top producers during the pandemic. Yeah, the article alleged that the core stage crew for the show, which consisted of more than 30 people, had received no written communication about their hours, their pay, nor any kind of inquiry as to how they were doing mentally or physically. Now, remember, this was only a month after the pandemic was declared. So for a workplace to not even try to check in with their own employees is kind of diabolical. Yeah, production executives finally did get in touch and told nearly all the crew that they would actually face a reduction in hours and pay, despite the fact the show was continuing to air. And I think this was made all kinds of worse by the fact that when Ellen returned to air on April 7 after a hiatus, she told viewers that, and I quote, she wanted to start doing her new show as soon as possible and that it was specifically for her staff and crew. I love them. I miss them. The best thing I can do to support them is keep the show on air. Mm. You can see how there's two things happening at once. Ellen saying publicly that she's continuing to do the show to support crew and staff and crew and staff having their hours and their pay cut. Absolutely slashed with no real meaningful communication about it. Now, it wasn't the end of the world, but it was kind of the tip of an iceberg, right? And it didn't stop there. Around this time, a former bodyguard who was assigned to protect Alan during the hosting of the 2014 Oscars spoke to Fox News and he could attest to recent allegations that came out about her being a not very nice person. He said Ellen was the first person he's ever been assigned to who didn't take the time to even say hello to him. I know there's a lot that we're covering in this episode, but this bodyguard story is one of the worst allegations about Ellen behind the scenes, that someone who is working to protect her, someone who is in such close proximity to her, doesn't even, reportedly, get a hello, how are you, my name's Ellen, what's your name? Like, to not say hello, if that's true, is inexcusable. Yeah, on July 16, things got about as bad as they could get because BuzzFeed published an explosive article in which former employees of The Ellen Show alleged there was a toxic work environment going on behind the scenes. They spoke to one current and 10 former staff members anonymously about their experiences on set. Now, here are some of these allegations. One employee said that when she was hired, a senior level producer told her and another black employee, oh wow, you both have box braids, I hope we don't get you both confused. She also said that at a work party, one of the main writers told her, I'm sorry, I only know the names of the white people who work here. A comment she said that the other co-workers awkwardly laughed off rather than coming to her defence about. Yeah, this employee also said that she brought up the issues of race and representation on the show and asked producers not to use terms like spirit animal in segments. And when she did that, her colleagues called her the PC police. She said that she was also called into a meeting with the executive producer, Ed Glavin, where she was allegedly reprimanded for her objections to the term spirit animal. She was also admonished for asking for a raise and suggesting employees on the show receive diversity and inclusion training. She claimed that, and I quote, he said that I was walking around looking resentful and angry. After that meeting, she left work for the day and never returned. Yeah, other former employees said they were instructed by their direct managers not to speak to Ellen. They saw her around the office. <laughs> and the conversation we were having, Mish, as we were prepping this episode was like, 
maybe that's not a direct order from Ellen herself, but what kind of culture could she reportedly be cultivating if people don't feel comfortable or people below Ellen are saying to people below them, don't even bother. Don't go near him. There's something off there. Another former employee said they were fired after a really hard year during which they had to go on medical leave after being in a car accident, work remotely to attend a family funeral and three days off to travel for another family funeral. They said that each request for leave or remote work was a battle with supervisors and HR. Yeah, another employee who had worked at the show for nearly a year said they took medical leave for one month to attend a mental health facility, but the week they returned to work, they were told that their position was being eliminated. Another employee said they were told off after creating a GoFundMe campaign to raise money for medical costs that weren't going to be covered by the company's health insurance over concerns that that fundraiser could hurt Ellen's image. That same person says they were fired the next month after posting a selfie laughing with co-workers on their personal Instagram story, which was apparently a violation of their contract. It just sounds like a brutal workplace. Like, don't take leave. If you need to go to funerals, we'll make you really struggle to get time off. Don't go to mental health facilities if you're struggling. Like, don't create GoFundMe campaigns to try and fund your own medical care. It's like an impossible situation for some of these people. Yeah, one former employee told BuzzFeed that big kind bullshit only happens when the cameras are on. It's all for show. I know they give money to people and help them out, but it's for show. Now, a lot of the former employees blamed executive producers and other senior managers for the day-to-day toxicity. One of the people who spoke to BuzzFeed said that it was more about the culture on the show that was the real problem. Another blamed the three executive producers running the show who, and I quote, make the culture and are putting out this feeling of bullying and being mean. But at the end of the day, Ellen's name was on the show. She was the head of that workplace. She's making tens of millions of dollars a year from it. I also think it's your responsibility to not have your blinkers on when it comes to your culture. Yeah. Like it's absolutely your responsibility to not say, oh, I had no idea, to understand how the people that work for you are feeling about that experience. And if junior employees, or any employees for that matter, are kind of scurrying around you and not looking at you in the eye and clearly acting like they're fearful of you, if that's true, I refuse to believe Ellen wouldn't pick up on that. Anyone would pick up on that if that's been a culture or a vibe for years on end. Like, what? Yeah, it's like, why don't any of them talk to me? Yeah, if Or look at me or smile at me. If you want it to be a healthy workplace culture... Aren't you just going up to them and be like, hi, how are you? Like you're striking up those conversations, right? Yeah, it's funny. Now, in response, the executive producers on the show issued a statement to BuzzFeed saying that they took full responsibility for the daily operations of the show. This is what the statement said. Over the course of nearly two decades, 3,000 episodes and employing over 1,000 staff members, we've strived to create an open, safe and inclusive work environment. We're truly heartbroken and sorry to learn that even one person in our production family has had a negative experience. It's not who we are and not who we strive to be and not the mission Ellen has set for us. For the record, the day-to-day responsibility of The Ellen Show is completely on us. We take all of this very seriously and we realise, as many in the world are learning, that we need to do better, are committed to do better and we will do better who's instructed them to make sure that ellen's not thrown under the bus yeah well like to go above and beyond to make ellen not the fall guy here after that buzzfeed report came out warner media actually announced that the ellen show would go through an internal investigation and that they would be interviewing current and former staffers about their experiences on set Following this news, Ellen herself also sent a memo out to staff, which People magazine obtained. She wrote, hey, everybody, it's Ellen. 
On day one of our show, I told everyone in our first meeting that the Ellen DeGeneres show would be a place of happiness. No one would ever raise their voice and everyone would be treated with respect. Obviously, something changed and I'm disappointed to learn that this has not been the case. And for that, I am sorry. Anyone who knows me knows it's the opposite of what I believe and what I hoped for our show. She continued and said, my name is on the show and everything we do and I take responsibility for that. As we've grown exponentially, I've not been able to stay on top of everything and relied on others to do their jobs as they knew I'd want them done. Clearly some didn't. That will now change and I'm committed to ensuring this does not happen again. Yeah, for you, I don't know about that. Anyway, (laughs) just going to sit with that. Several celebrities started weighing in on the matter, coming from both sides. Actor Brad Garrett tweeted that he knew more than one person who was treated horribly by her, common knowledge. Another actress named Leah Thompson, who is actually the mum of Zoe Deutsch, supported Brad's claims by tweeting, true story it is. In response to all of this, Ellen's wife, Portia, posted a blue and white tile on her Instagram feed with big text that read, I stand by Ellen. In smaller text read the words, be kind to one another. Not the time to parrot that again. Portia's (laughs) caption read, to all our fans, we see you. Thank you for your support. Hashtag stop bot attacks. Hashtag I stand with Ellen DeGeneres. Big yikes energy from this, dare I say. Portia. Portia. I I understand that behind closed doors, Portia and Ellen would have felt like the victims in this situation. I can imagine that anyone feeling this level of backlash goes into like a self-pitying mode where they go, I am the one who is poorly done by here. First of all, that feeling is wrong. The ones who really struggled in this workplace, I believe anyway, were the junior employees who had to flounder under reports of such a terrible culture. But even if you feel that way behind closed doors, even if Ellen and Portia are saying this, why would you put that online? It is so misreading the room to try and come up with this campaign for hashtag I stand with Ellen DeGeneres. Like if Ellen's memo to staff members was accurate and true and that she is sorry and it won't happen again. Why would they come out and say this? This act by Portia, by putting this blue and white tile on her feed, tells me Ellen was not genuine at all with that apology to her staff members. Ellen felt like she was being really unfairly treated and all of this was bullshit. Well, it was all bot attacks. Yeah. Yeah, But none of it was real or none of it was true. Other celebrities came out in support of Ellen. People like Katy Perry, Ashton Kutcher, Diane Keaton, Alec and Hilaria Baldwin too. Here's Katy Perry's tweet. I know I can't speak for anyone else's experience beside my own, but I want to acknowledge that I've only ever had positive takeaways from my time with Ellen and on The Ellen Show. I think we have all witnessed the light and continual fight for equality that she's brought to the world through her platform for decades, sending you love and a hug, friend, at The Ellen Show. A funny tweet for me when you say, I know I can't speak for anyone else's experience. But, but then try to. But dot dot yeah. dot. Like it is a real lack of self-awareness for me that someone can say, I'm treated well by someone, therefore that must mean they treat everybody else the same. Particularly when the person sending out that tweet is one of the biggest celebrities in the world. And of course, Ellen and other people in the industry have something to gain by treating you particularly well. One of the top replies to Katy Perry's tweet, which was not received well, which is a surprise to absolutely no one, was from blogger Jar Diaz, who wrote, you've only had positive takeaways because you're one of the biggest artists on the planet, Katy. That's why. 
Bingo. But more stuff just kept coming out about Ellen and the show. Former Ellen Show DJ Tony, who was on air talent from 2003 to 2006 and 2007 to 2013, came out on Instagram and said he had experienced a toxic work environment. He wrote, well, I'm grateful for the opportunity it afforded me. I did experience and felt the toxicity of the environment and I stand with my former colleagues in their quest to create a healthier and more inclusive workplace as the show moves forward. BuzzFeed also published a second article in which former staff members accused head writer and executive producer Kevin Lehman of sexual harassment, misconduct and even assault, Mish. Yikes. BuzzFeed News spoke to 36 former staff who independently corroborated incidents of harassment, sexual misconduct and assault from top producers like Kevin. Yeah, in August that year, following their internal investigation, Warner Brothers confirmed that it had parted ways with three of the show's producers, executive producer Ed Glavin, co-exec producer Jonathan Norman, and that head writer you just spoke about then, Zara, Kevin Lehman. In September 2020, The Ellen Show returned from its summer hiatus for its 18th season, and Ellen kicked things off with a public apology. She said, I learnt that things happened here that never should have happened. I take that very seriously and I want to say I'm so sorry to the people who were affected. A lot of people watched this apology. The episode actually had the highest ratings for an Ellen premiere in four years. But that same audience quickly disappeared. She went from getting an average of 2.6 million viewers to 1.5 million viewers. Naturally, advertising revenue also dropped. Yeah. What do you think is behind this? Because we just read earlier in this episode that people loved Ellen because she had a way of kind of endearing herself to both celebrities and the audience. She seemed like such a kind natured, good hearted person that the public could really like have access to and was one of us. When there were headlines saying, well, actually, maybe she's not one of us at all. Maybe she does look down on people who she reportedly deems to be below her. I'm guessing that would have really affected the audience's relationship. They would have started going, well, is there a trick mirror? When I'm watching this, am I getting a real person or am I getting a performance? I think it's exactly that because if I'm analysing how I personally felt, I mean, I never really sat down and watched The Ellen Show. I was Just on sick days from school. <laughs> I work. But I definitely feel like I'd be less inclined to watch it because I'm like, I don't know what to believe here. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you're being genuine. It does feel like an act. I don't think many people are conscious in realising that's why they make decisions, but I definitely think in this case that's why they that's why the viewership dropped. The trust is gone and the trust is everything. Yeah. Now, not long after that, in May 2021, Ellen announced that she'd be wrapping up the show in 2022. The 19th season of Ellen would therefore be the show's last. The timing of everything made everyone wonder whether the scandal was the reason the show was ending. Like, had it destroyed one of the most popular shows and hosts on television? Yeah, but Ellen has maintained that the decision was a long time coming, irrespective of the scandal. And to be fair, some signs do point to the fact that that's possibly true. Back in 2018, when Ellen did that big piece with the New York Times, she said that she'd extended her contract to 2020, but had been close to declining. She said that her wife, Portia, had been encouraging her to move on from the show which saw her recording 180 episodes a year like it is a colossal colossal project for anyone to undertake for one year let alone for decades yeah explaining her decision to finally end the show ellen told the hollywood reporter that as great as this show is and as fun as it is it's not a challenge anymore i need something new to challenge me she also pointed out that 19 years is a very long time to do 
anything. Fair. In saying that, she did acknowledge that the workplace allegations impacted the show and were, and I quote, very hurtful to her. She admitted there was a solid four months where she didn't know if she was going to come back. Yeah, but she also said, if I was quitting the show because of that, I wouldn't have come back this season. Alan said that at first she didn't believe the allegations about workplace culture because, and I quote, I know how happy everybody is here and how every guest talks about, man, you have such a great place here. Of all the talk shows I've done, everyone here is so happy. That's all I've ever heard. But then she said the internal investigation did reveal things about the culture that she wasn't aware of. She also criticised the culture that we are living in, in which, and I quote, no one can make mistakes. And I don't want to generalise because there are some bad people out there and those people shouldn't work again. But in general, the culture today is one where you can't learn and grow, which is, as human beings, what we're here to do. Mm. Now, Ellen also acknowledged that being known as the be kind lady put a lot of expectations on her to always be happy and friendly. She said that she'd learnt that every single encounter means something. She went on, and if for whatever reason, one day I wasn't dancing when I'm in the dry cleaners or I didn't smile at somebody, it's like, oh, did that affect somebody? Was that what they meant? And I don't know, but I know that I'm just a person with a lot of different emotions and I struggle with depression and anxiety. So every day I am not super smiley, but my intention is to never hurt anyone. And I've also looked at it going, okay, can I be more present because this one minute encounter is going to impact somebody in a certain way? I feel like it's sort of a distracting point. I disagree with you there. Do you? I don't like the majority of the comments that we've read out from Ellen about this. I really don't like it. Hated the Porsche post too, like I said. That that comment to me actually adds up. With our experience of comedians or entertainers in this industry being very different people away from the camera, struggling with depression and anxiety, being incredibly reserved, incredibly dark, some of them, to be honest, that makes sense to me. This is the only explanation I've heard from Ellen where I go, okay, Benefit of the doubt there. Maybe you are really depressed behind the scenes. That's not at all what I mean, though. I believe that to be true. I just am not sure in the context of, like, the toxic work environment where I find it a bit of a distracting point. I think it could have been a separate conversation on a separate day. I disagree, but I'm happy to disagree with you. I think it makes sense if you're saying there is so much pressure on every interaction I have in my life. she's not talking about employees. She's talking about people on the street. But I think the the reading between the lines, she's saying every interaction, whether it's at work or elsewhere. She's talking about the dry cleaners, But I think that's for effect. That's to say every moment for someone like Ellen is being monitored. It's not to excuse that she let a toxic culture allegedly fester, but it is to say the conditions with which she lives under does have its downfalls. Yeah, I agree with that. But also just to counter that too, no one forced her to be the be kind lady. Like she decided that for herself. She set that bar for herself and that is going to have consequences. Is Ellen DeGeneres (laughs) in my pass basket? (laughs) Oh my God. I actually would love to know. I don't think she's fully in your pass basket. She's like one leg in, one leg out. I I would agree with that. Regardless, as we know, after 19 seasons and more than 3,000 episodes, so many episodes, (laughs) the Ellen Show ended on the 26th of May, 2022. The final episode had guests including Billie Eilish, Pink and Jennifer Aniston. The audience gave 64-year-old Ellen a standing ovation after she signed off for the last time. Yeah, and even though the daytime show has finished, Ellen is still working behind the scenes in television. A lot of us would know her predominantly for that daytime show. But over the years, she's also produced a number of other shows, including The Masked Dancer, Ellen's Game of Games, Ellen's Next Great Designer, and her production company is responsible for more than 60 original online series. Obsessed with the fact that two out of three of those shows also had the name Ellen. (laughs) They cannot get away from calling everything Ellen. 
Ellen told The Hollywood Reporter that if I never do anything else again, I am so proud of what this show stood for and still stands for and what we've made it through. That's all we've got time for. Boy, what a complicated story. There is no doubt Ellen withstood a hype through the early years of her career. Yeah. And there's no doubt that those allegations that we just went through recently are troubling. So it leaves you with a funny taste in your mouth. Yeah, well, as we said, it's a complicated legacy. It reminds me a lot. We've talked about this with other celebrities, that some people who have a great macro influence on the world don't always have the best micro influence on the world in the people around them. And I think Ellen is certainly an example of that. I totally agree. Guys, if you want to support the show, click follow on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. We are also on Instagram at Shameless Podcast and TikTok talk at shameless underscore podcast yeah a huge thank you to our researcher justine landers hanley for working with us on this one we'll be back in your ears on monday bye bye shameless media This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.